0: 1 Samuel chapter 25 verse 1 And Samuel died, and all Israel gathered themselves together and lamented him, and buried him in his house at Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. After Samuel's death, there is no way that he would have written the chapters after his death, and we actually have another book of Samuel as well. So it seems like Samuel didn't write First and Second Samuel, but it was about him and his life. His legacy isn't over even though he's dead. We're going to hear about Samuel again, but at this point he is dead. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. And there was a man in Maon, whose possessions were in Carmel. And the man was very great, and he had 3,000 sheep and a 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. David has gone to Maon, Samuel is dead, and Israel is really sad that Samuel is dead, because he was their great prophet. 3 Now the name of the man in Carmel was Nabal, and the name of his wife Abigail, and the woman was of good understanding, and of a beautiful form. Now form means her figure. It isn't saying her face is beautiful. What was the most beautiful about her was her figure. But the man was churlish and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of Caleb. Nabal is a really mean person. He's somebody who's stingy, stubborn, ignorant, and only thinks of himself. 4. And David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. David doesn't know Nabal, but he hears that he's got a lot of wealth and he's out shearing his sheep. And David has six hundred men with him who are hungry. David and his whole band are homeless and hungry. 5. And David sent ten young men. And David said unto the young men, Get you up to Carmel and go to Nabal and greet him in my name. Six, and thus ye shall say, All hail, and peace be both unto thee, and peace be to thy house, and peace be unto all that thou hast. David being a warrior, he wants Nabal to know first of all that he's not going to harm Nabal in any way. Seven, and now I have heard that thou hast shearers. Thy shepherds have now been with us, and we did them no hurt, neither was there aught missing unto them all the while they were in Carmel. He saying, We took care of your sheep shearers and your sheep herders when they were in Carmel where we were. We were really good to them. We protected them. We didn't rob them or harm them in any way. 8. Ask thy young men, and they will tell thee. Wherefore, let the young men find favor in thine eyes. For we come on a good day. Give, I pray thee, whatsoever cometh to thy hand, into thy servants, and to thy son David. The full message is... We didn't harm your sheep shearers or your sheep when they were near us in Carmel. We protected them, and we would really like some food. We're hungry, and Nabal being a rich man could have easily provided them with food. David wasn't asking a lot from Nabal. He had all kinds of abundance of wealth to feed them with. 9. And when David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal according to all those words in the name of David and ceased. 10. And Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David and who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. 11. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed for my shearers and give it unto men of whom I know not whence they are? Nabal is saying, David is a nobody. And he's a bad servant because he left Saul. And I'm not going to feed him along with feeding my own servants just because he's helping them. Twelve. So David's young men turned on their way and went back and came and told him according to all these words. Nabal is just being stingy and selfish. If somebody comes to you for help and there's no reason why you can't or shouldn't help them, then you really should. But Nabal is selfish and he doesn't want to give up an inch. He's only feeding his own servants because he has to. He doesn't want to feed anybody else. 13 And David said unto his men, Gird ye on every man his sword, and they girded on every man his sword. And David also girded on his sword. And they went up after David about four hundred men, and two hundred abode by the baggage. They have a lot of equipment. They left two hundred men behind in the camp to keep all of their stuff safe. And then the other four hundred went with David to go wage war on Nabal. I think it's because David believes that Nabal really owes him food, since he's protected Nabal's sheep shearers. David feels that he's earned the food, and that's why he's now going to take it by force. 14. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master, and he flew upon them, saying that Nabal just blew up on these ten men that were sent from David to ask for food. 15. But the men were very good unto us, and we were not hurt. Neither missed we anything as long as we went with them when we were in the fields." 16 They were a wall unto us, both by night and by day, all the while we were with them keeping the sheep. They are telling Nabal's wife, because they know that she's actually intelligent. Nabal is an idiot, and he doesn't know what's good for him, that he should definitely be feeding David's men, because they took care of his servants. And the servants are telling his wife, because they know that she does have a brain. They are saying, look, David is now going to come and attack your household because your husband wouldn't feed his men but his men protected us and they deserve food 17 now therefore no one consider what thou wilt do for evil is determined against our master and against all his house for he is such a base fellow that one cannot speak to him Nabal is so stubborn that you can't even tell him anything. He's one of those people that you can't give advice to because he's better than you and he knows everything. He's a know-it-all. That's why they're going to Nabal's wife instead and saying, hey, is there anything you can do? Because otherwise we're all going to get killed. 18. Then Abigail made haste, meaning she hurried And took two hundred loaves and two bottles of wine, and five sheep ready dressed, and five measures of parched corn, that's roasted corn, and a hundred clusters of raisins, and two hundred cakes of figs, and laid them on asses. The fig cakes would be dessert to go with the uh, roasted corn, the raisins, the wine, the bread, and the sheep. Now these sheep are already butchered. The men won't have to take time to butcher them. They can just start cooking them immediately. And she got all this together as fast as she could, and starts hauling it to David's men. 19 And she said unto her young men, Go on before, behold, I come after you. But she told not her husband Nabal. It was smart of her to send the men before her, because they could travel faster than she can. She's a woman, they're going to be better riders, they've got all of the food. And also this way David will see the food before he sees. The wife, when he sees the food, he'll be like, Oh good, so they are going to feed us. Because if she comes first and says the food's on its way, he doesn't know if he can believe her. But if he sees the food first, then he knows two things. Number one, it's there, and number two, it is a present, because you always send your present before you. 20. And it was so, as she rode on her ass, and came down by the cover of the mountain, that behold, David and his men came down towards her, and she met them. Now remember, she has a nice figure. The Bible told us that for a reason. 21. Now David had said, Surely in vain have I kept all that this fellow hath in the wilderness, so that nothing was amiss of all that pertained unto him, and he hath returned me evil for good. 22. God do so unto the enemies of David, and more also if I leave of all that pertain to him by the morning light so much as one male. David is saying that he's furious. It seems like David hasn't noticed the food yet. I guess that the way that they met each other, somehow the food was going in a different direction when David came and saw Abigail, because he ends up seeing Abigail before the food. He's saying to himself and to his men that he's been treated wrongly and he's definitely going to kill Nabal's entire household. 23. And when Abigail saw David, she made haste and alighted from her donkey, and fell before David on her face, and bowed down to the ground. 24. And she fell at his feet, and said, Upon me, my Lord, upon me be the iniquity, and let thy handmaid, I pray thee, speak in thine ears, and hear thou the words of thy handmaid. 25. Let not my lord, I pray thee, regard this base fellow, even Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and the churlishness is with him. But I, thy handmaid, saw not the young men of my lord, whom thou didst send. She's saying, please blame me for this error, because my husband, Nabal, his name means fool, and that's what he is. He's churlish, and A churlish person is somebody who lacks civility. They're not socialized. He doesn't know how to act like a human to other humans. You can't tell him anything. He's stubborn. He has no concept of how to be a friend and how to make friends. Like the kind of person who everybody in town hates. And his name actually means fool. So his name is probably a curse on him. And she's saying, blame me instead because I'm not a fool. But I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know that you needed food. But now I do know. Please take the food, is what she's going to say. 26 Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, seeing the Lord hath withholden thee from blood guiltiness, and from finding redress for thyself with thine own hand, now therefore let thine enemies, and them that seek evil to my Lord, be as Nabal. She's saying, the Lord has prevented you from killing Nabal's house before you saw me. That's a sign that you should... Let me make amends, and also she's blessing David, saying, "May anyone who comes against you be as stupid as nabal twenty seven and now this present which thy servant hath brought unto my Lord, let it be given unto the young men that follow my Lord. She's presenting the food and saying, Take this as a gift. 28 Forgive, I pray thee, the trespass of thy handmaid, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house, because my Lord fighteth the battles of the Lord, and evil is not found in thee all thy days. She's saying, I know that you fight for the Lord, and that you are a good man, you have never done anything wrong, and I know you are going to be king. Please forgive me for not knowing that you and your men were out here and hungry, and take the food. 29. And though man be risen up to pursue thee and to seek thy soul, yet the soul of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of life with the Lord thy God, and the souls of thine enemies, them shall he sling out as from the hollow of a sling. Now this is neat because she's blessing David. She's definitely a woman of God. She's blessing David, but she's also flattering him because she's saying, just as you killed Goliath with a sling, God will kill your enemies in the same manner. Their souls will be flung out. As you flung those rocks from the sling, God will fling your enemies out and away from you. This is a great, very eloquent thing to say. She's as smart as her husband is stupid. And she's definitely calming David's anger down. 30 and it shall come to pass when the Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all the good that he hath spoken concerning thee. And shall have appointed thee prince over Israel. And that's the same thing as saying king over Israel. 31, that this shall be no stumbling block unto thee, nor offense of heart unto my Lord, either that thou hast shed blood without cause, or that my Lord hath found redress for himself. And when the Lord shall have dealt well with my Lord, then remember thy handmaid. She's saying, remember me in your kingdom, which is the same thing that Jonathan has told David. They know that he's going to be king eventually, so they're saying, remember us, take care of us when you become king. And she's saying that when you become king, you don't want to, know that you killed a fellow Israelite. Even though he's Nabal, a mean person, you still don't want that on your conscience. Let's make up, and then when you become king, take care of me, because I need help. 32, and David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent thee this day to me. Now David is not angry, and he's so happy, and he's really blessing her. 33, And blessed be thy discretion, and blessed be thou that hast kept me this day from blood guiltiness, and from finding redress for myself with mine own hand. Now that means getting vengeance, because remember, God said vengeance is mine. We aren't to take things in our own hands. David was about to sin by getting vengeance against a fellow Israelite, and she stopped him from sinning. And he's agreeing with her, you're right, now I won't be guilty of seeking my own vengeance against a fellow Israelite. You stopped me from doing it. Thank you. Not only is David a repentant person, once he knows he's wrong, he repents. And we're going to see this several times in David's life. This is something that you and I need to model. First of all, we need to be following the Lord every single day. But if we do realize that we've done wrong, we need to repent immediately and be humble and not dig our heels in the dirt and be defiant against the Lord. We need to humble ourselves and repent. And so that's what David does over and over. But now two people have told David, both Jonathan and Abigail have said, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Those are the same words that the thief on the cross told Jesus. When the thief was being crucified at the same time that Jesus was, the thief said, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. This is another way that David's life foreshadows the life of Christ. The thief knew that Jesus was the son of God and that his kingdom is heaven. And the thief was saying, Let me be in heaven with you. And Jesus said, This very day you will be with me in paradise. The thief got saved that moment on the cross before he died, which proves to all of us that you can have a deathbed conversion and get saved right before you die. And you can go to heaven without being baptized because that thief was never baptized. Baptism is a commandment, but if you die before you have a chance, the Lord doesn't hold that against you. So anyway, this is just another beautiful scene where somebody is telling King David, remember me when you come into your kingdom. 34, for in very deed as the Lord the God of Israel liveth who hath withholden me from hurting thee except thou hast made haste and come to meet me surely there had not been left unto Nabal by the morning light so much as one mill. David says to Abigail if you hadn't a come out and met me and had this conversation and brought the food, then everybody in your husband's household would have been dead by morning. 35. So David received of her hand that which she had brought him, and he said unto her, Go up in peace to thy house. See, I have hearkened to thy voice, and have accepted thy person. He says, I accept you. I receive you. I won't do you any harm. You can go home in peace now. 36. And Abigail came to Nabal, and behold, he held a feast in his house, like the feast of a king. Now look at this. He had so much food. That he didn't know what to do with it. And he didn't want to give it to David, which was what he should have done. To get rid of all this surplus food, he holds a feast for himself. And this shows you how evil and selfish he is. Because he wouldn't have had the feast that day if it weren't for all the surplus food. But he had to get rid of it somehow. But yet he begrudged giving it to men who deserved and needed it. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunken. Wherefore, she told him nothing, less or more, until the morning light. Abigail was wise not to have a conversation with Nabal while he's drunk. She wanted to wait until he was sober, and then tell him what had happened, that basically she had saved his life. 37. And it came to pass in the morning, when the wine was gone out of Nabal, meaning when he was sober, that his wife told him these things, and his heart died within him, and he became as a stone. As soon as he learned that Abigail had saved his life, he became bedridden and couldn't move. And that's God's judgment on him. He wasn't going to repent. This is also a judgment on Abigail, but it's a judgment in her favor. Because now God has liberated her. She isn't attached to an idiot husband anymore. 38. And it came to pass about 10 days after that the Lord smote Nabal so that he died. He had some sort of heart problem. It could have been a heart attack, but it took ten days for him to die. 39. And when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord that hath pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal, and hath kept back his servant from evil. And the evil doing of Nabal hath the Lord returned upon his own head. And David sent and spoke concerning Abigail to take her to him to wife. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he knew that Abigail was a widow and she needed protection. She had asked him to remember her in his kingdom. So he said, okay, I'm going to protect her now. I'm going to make her my wife. And that way she's no longer a widow on her own. I'll take care of her from now on. Now, he already has the wife, Michael, but he's been separated from Michael. He hasn't seen Michael in a long time. He's taking a second wife. God, in the New Testament, requires that each man not have multiple wives, just one wife. In the Old Testament, he allowed it for a couple of reasons. Number one, because it allowed men to have more children. By having more wives, they could have more children. And in the case of Israel, that's how we got the 12 tribes of Israel, was because Jacob had two wives instead of one. If he had only married Rachel, he would have only ended up with two children. But because he married Leah and Rachel, long story short, he ended up with 12 children. That was to work out God's will. But today we're not to do that. We are not to practice polygamy today. And the New Testament makes that clear that God says a righteous man only has one wife. Now, in the case of kings, it's tradition that kings would take multiple wives because they were making alliances with other kingdoms. That's why Solomon takes hundreds of wives because he has hundreds of alliances. Taking a wife from that other person means one of two things. Either you have an alliance with that kingdom or you've conquered that kingdom. In this case, David has conquered Nabal's house, not through his own might, but through the Lord. And he is protecting Abigail. He's promised to protect her. He's allowed to have more than one wife, but he is going to take other wives because of conquering other kings in the future. He's going to end up with multiple wives. 40. And when the servants of David were come to Abigail to Carmel, they spoke under her, saying, David hath sent us unto thee to take thee to him to wife. 41. And she arose and bowed down with her face to the earth and said, Behold, thy handmaid is a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my lord. She's very humble and she says, I will go into his household and I will do the lowest job in his household. I don't consider myself a great queen or anything. I just want to be in his house. I don't need to be his wife. However, she is going to become his wife. 42, And Abigail hastened and arose and rose upon an ass with five damsels of hers that followed her, so they'll be like her ladies in waiting. And she went after the messengers of David and became his wife. 43. David also took Ahinoam of Jezreel, and they became both of them his wives. And I'm not sure the Bible doesn't explain why he took Ahinoam, but he must have met her somehow along the way, and he also wanted her to be his wife. So she was probably good looking, and Abigail had a good figure 44. Now Saul had given Michael, his daughter David's wife, to Palti, the son of Laish, who was in Galim. Saul actually took Michael away from David and gave her to another man. That's kind of like polygamy because she's married to two men. She's still technically David's wife, but now Saul has given her to another man. Saul probably did this as an insult to David to say to the whole world that David is never coming back into his kingdom. Now he's forced Michael to have two husbands, but she's only living with one. And that concludes 1 Samuel chapter 25.